0: Is blockchain green enough for a recycling supply chain? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, editor-in-chief for Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain podcast. Blockchain has had a couple of decades to work its way into the supply chain lexicon, but it's still not entirely clear what role the technology can play in monitoring the movement of raw materials and product around the world. The details seem fuzzy, and despite a number of supposedly successful pilots, you couldn't exactly say that the application of blockchain in the supply chain today is widespread. So how does a technology that was designed to record transactions of cryptocurrency fit into the supply chain world? On this episode, we get a look at the use of blockchain in the recycled plastics industry from Vanessa Coleman, CEO of Oceanworks. This global marketplace for recycled plastic materials has found a use for blockchain in authenticating the origin of product and validating progress toward reducing carbon emissions. In fact, she believes it will soon become table stakes for that purpose. But is blockchain truly green and is the devil in the details? Here is my conversation with Vanessa Coleman. Vanessa Coleman, welcome to the show.
1: Glad
0: to be here. Vanessa, where do you see blockchain as playing a valuable role in the supply chain today?
1: Well, what I've seen is that blockchain can serve a really important role for increasing trust within supply chain, particularly where the origin of materials might be a little bit Uncertain. One of the the areas I'm real familiar with is recycled plastic value chains, and these materials are often sourced from regions that lack formal waste management infrastructure. There's a lot of obscurity around where the materials are coming from, and it creates value in the network if people can feel confident that the materials are what they say they are, and that's a place where. I've seen blockchain really shine in my work and why I feel like there's a big opportunity for it to create value in in these types of supply chain networks.
0: Well, what granularity are we talking about? You say, I think, is the beginning. You said track trucks, and then you also said materials. Are we getting down to the actual raw materials? Are we getting down to the containers that hold them, the, the vehicles that carry them? What is actually being tracked here and put on a blockchain?
1: From what I've seen, it's a little bit of, all of the above. Certainly, it's fairly straightforward to track containers and trucks as they move through the network. It's just a matter of garbage or quality in, quality out. You got to log the information correctly. The blockchain will store it and it's, it's really easy to pull it from there. What we're looking at doing in the, or what I've, I've been looking at doing on the recycled material side is a lot more around actually the loads of material that go onto those trucks and understanding the origins of that and the makeup of that material. And so where does it come from? What percentage of what type of material is there? And then being able to follow that as it combines and separates through various nodes in the network to the ultimate end product. And I think that's where a lot of the blockchain technology can add a a lot of value because it has a way of tracking anything kind of with a unique ID through the network. Mm -hmm.
0: So is it event-driven or is it continuous? I mean, each time this material changes hands or it goes from one mode to another or something about it changes, does that require a whole new block to be put up or does it require the update of an existing block? I'm trying to understand how that would work in a blockchain environment.
1: For us, when we recombine or split apart, we do put up a new block, basically Taking the ID of that material and creating a new batch per se, and then mm-hmm. that's a new piece. So maybe two batches come together into one batch, and then maybe it's splits into three batches. And then in, in the material supply chains, we're in, at some point once it's processed and really becomes, I've worked a lot in recycled content, so that's you know what I'm primarily talking about here. It becomes kind of a material that a manufacturer is going to buy. It's a lot more consistent, so it's a matter. It's it's more a matter of just tracking that batch through the chain at that point.
0: I see. And w- again, what kind of materials are we talking about? Paper, plastic, electronics, hazardous stuff? What exactly in the recycling flow here is being tracked in a blockchain?
1: I do think blockchains can be used for any of it. Where it becomes, I think, most valuable is where the origin and quality of the material is really important. So I could see that being critical in hazardous waste and where we're we're using that technology or where where i'm using it is in plastics where the exact makeup of the material and the origin is fairly important to the customer and Mm -hmm. so they want to know okay it came from here this is the type of material that is mixed in and these percentages and then they want to be able to track that through the chain such that if they have any quality issues Down the line, they can immediately identify the batch. Or if they have something like a concern from a customer about where the material came from, they're able to trace that lot back actually to the origin point from where it was collected, which can help them feel confident about making claims around that material.
0: Now, we, of course, have had various types of technology for tracking and tracing the provenance and the progress of materials in the supply chain. Prior to blockchain or outside of blockchain, how were you doing that before? or How could it be done before?
1: I think that's a really, a really good point because, of course, there is traceability already. I mean, I open sure. by saying that the blockchain adds an extra layer of trust. So there's going to be questions about where things came from. And without a blockchain system, you're relying on a third party organization to be doing some sort of accreditation or a certification of material origin, something that happens at a single point in time, say maybe annually, let's check and make sure what the supply chain looks like. There's quite a number of certifications that you can get around supply chain and in recycled materials. One of those is the GRS, the Global Recycling Standard. So someone comes in, looks at the supply chain, says this is how it's flowing. But it doesn't address the question on a batch basis. And I think that's where blockchain can be really strong you can come in and you can say okay this batch is doing that action so It's logging it into the system so there's less opportunity for things to be i guess you could say manipulated by kind of a, a centralized party because it's every third party is logging their information in and then that's being compiled such that the end customer or other people that want to look at it can use that that data
0: One of the terms being constantly used to describe blockchain is that it is immutable, that the ledger cannot be changed. Was that a problem in in your world, in the world of recycled materials up to that point? Were things being changed or in any way was the record being altered prior to this?
1: It's actually something that comes up even today as we look to deploy this technology within our ecosystem, because it is actually fairly common that you would anticipate a load of 20 tons and then that's what's logged in and then it, it turns out that what actually is processed and shipped is 18 tons and so you need to adjust that record and the way that we've handled it within our system is just making a new block essentially that corrects the prior record so you can see the whole history but absent that you would not the history, that there had been an expectation of something different, and then it changed. And that's something that we have to manage as well, because it can create confusion when people go back and look at the record. How can we flag those? Like, this is the actual one that shipped, and that was what was logged at the factory before it went out the gate. I think that is something that is still kind of a dynamic issue in the space, but having the whole record there and the whole history helps people, when they're looking back, be able to understand what actually happened there. Um, and for us, it, it mostly comes up, or, or what I've seen in my work, is it's much more near the origin points where things tend to change. And then once it gets into what you would call modern supply chains, it tends to flow fairly consistently. I mean, we don't have as many of those like correction blocks as we do early in the supply chain. I think that's really an opportunity because the early part of the supply chain is where the end customer lacks trust. And by Having trust in knowing what the material is and where it came from, it makes them more likely to buy, which adds value to the network. It's like a challenge and an opportunity in the kind of early and more informal parts of the supply chain where we've had challenges as we've implemented the technology.
0: Now, the concept that underlies blockchain, as I understand it, is the idea that this information exists out there on multiple nodes, which is what makes it immutable. Now, in the case of blockchain, as it was originally designed to record cryptocurrency transactions, those nodes might number in the millions. I doubt that's the case here. How does that work in your world? How many nodes does this information have to appear on in order to be considered adequate and immutable and a solid record of what you're doing?
1: and I actually I have not looked into the number of nodes that our information is appearing on I I think it's, it's a really good question to explore we have generally relied on existing ledger systems and blockchain infrastructure and then focused on leveraging those tools into the recycling markets where we work and so the number of nodes would be very dependent on the infrastructure package we're using. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's definitely something that I would look into, but I do not know the answer today.
0: Well, if I could be excused for getting a little bit more into the nitty-gritty of blockchain as I understand it, because it can be confusing, this idea that miners are required in order to, quote-unquote, discover the blocks, in order to put this stuff up. Uh, Certainly the case with cryptocurrency, but as I understand it, all blockchains require that some kind of mining capability or process is, is that the case here what do you understand to be that all about because that sounds awfully confusing and, and kind of arduous
1: I think that that is the case particularly for proof of work chains, which is what we are, what I what I believe we're leveraging here I do think that that is part of the process, and I think one of the things that is making it immutable is that work is required in order to do it, in order to add a new block such that it can't just be changed on a limb.
0: Is there not a token involved too? I mean, all of these blockchains seem to involve some variety of token. I don't know, the token could have different uses, it could be a security, it could be not a security. Does this actually generate tokens? And if so, what are they for and where do they go and what do they do? Um,
1: I do think that that is much more dependent on the blockchain backbone infrastructure that you use. And like I said, we are leveraging existing infrastructure. But I do believe that tokens are generated. Mm -hmm. And then in some cases, they may be traded. I do think that that does depend on of how exactly that infrastructure is built. We are not using, in my work, we are not using the tokens for anything within our network, but we have looked at actually tokenizing the loads of material and selling that as an additional value stream. But is not something that we believe makes sense in the types of markets where we're working, which is like li- really low value recycled content. I think there is still a lot of opportunity around that. And I mean, obviously people have taken it a long way with NFTs and there's an active trading in the kind of tokenization of these things, but for actually just the movement of material and supply chains, it's not something that I have seen a tremendous value in to date, but I do think it's like a really kind of exciting future state.
0: Now, you are involved in recycling, which puts you very yeah. much in a green world. You are creating a big benefit to the environment by what you do. So that you want to promote sustainability as much as possible. Do you think that blockchain does that? I mean, you mentioned it's proof of work. Well, proof of work involves huge amounts of computing power in order to get this stuff up on the blockchain. I'm wondering if that's a concern and how do you address the whole issue of sustainability in blockchain technology?
1: I do think that... Uh- scale with blockchain technology broadly, it is something to think about since the technology was developed. It's always been a concern for me and particularly looking at cryptocurrencies being kind of the future vision model of them being like the base system for a lot of transactions that happen globally, I worry myself about the energy implications of that. And you know, I've had a lot of conversations with um, people knowledgeable in the space about the trade-offs around that. In the markets where we work on the sustainability side, we do an analysis of the impact of everything that happens in the ecosystem. So the transport of material, the tracking of the material, the recycling itself of the material and look at the energy footprint. And at the end of the day, the trade off between using a virgin or a new material, particularly in plastics and using recycled content is so energy favorable that all the other steps are very minor. Mm -hmm. But I do think at Scale in blockchains, it's important to consider the energy footprint. And I am kind of eagerly watching some of the alternative models like proof of stake and things like that, that are exploring ways to decouple the blockchain activities from energy use, which mm-hmm. is ultimately as a society and a world, one of our most limiting resources as a society.
0: Certainly, the idea of proof of stake as approved a proof of work has been is suspected or is thought to be a good alternative, less of, a, of an impact on the environment. But I'm not sure if that's a, something you could move toward or not. Another one of the concerns that have been voiced about blockchain is the lag time it takes to get something up on the blockchain. And, and as you're tracking something on a regular basis, I would think that if not real time, near time would be very important to you. Are there any issues with getting uh, new blocks up on a timely basis to keep track of what you're doing?
1: really had that concern, particularly from a blockchain technology perspective. For us, the bigger challenge is actually just getting the real-time inputs from the actors in the ecosystem. That's something we're constantly trying to understand how to incentivize and how to make sure that the data is input on a real-time basis. And then any kind of lags in the technology infrastructure, it's actually okay because people are looking for like up-to-date information to the day not to the minute or mm-hmm. to the hour so for us the challenge is more on the like human upside side and less on the technology side but it is something to think about particularly when you need very real-time information which in our case within the day is definitely good enough
0: one of the advantages of blockchain is the generation or execution of so-called smart contracts do you use those and if so what role would they play in your operation
1: we really use them in like a simplified way right now, it is something that we're exploring. I think there could be opportunities to actually facilitate smart contracts between parties within our network. But right now, we are more just tracing the information and not looking at the exchange of dollars and like contracted terms that you might use a smart contract for, or that we are looking at using a smart contract for. So I do know that smart contracts can be used for Kind of a lot of different functions but where we've been looking at it in our network is really around facilitating trade in an easy way between parties but we found that in the markets where we work kind of early in these value chains and in, in respect content there is enough right now there's a lot of work just getting people Used to using these technology systems. And then we think there might be an opportunity to layer that in later. And we do see some others starting to do that kind of thing within the kind of informal trading markets where we work. So I think there, are, in the next five years or so, there could be an opportunity to, to layer that in.
0: Do you worry about? the collapse of the cryptocurrency market having some impact on blockchain technology? Of course, what we're talking about here is nothing like that. This isn't cryptocurrency. This is a completely different thing. But I'm wondering if the whole image of blockchain could somehow be tarnished. It was, after all, created originally to support and record cryptocurrency transactions. Do you worry about there being some effect there? Or do you think they can keep be kept separated? I think
1: from a technology perspective, they can be kept separate. Do do think there is some... Um potential for overlap is the question of trust. And some of the concerns around cryptocurrency market have been because there was actually a lack of transparency in how assets were moving, which created some big pools of risk. And that is exactly what is trying to be avoided by using blockchain for supply chain as big pools of risk. And so just making sure that that is well managed within a supply chain system, and and that the blockchain is really adding value there. And to whatever extent the general perception becomes that blockchains can be gamed in some way or aren't always transparent, then that. Lack of trust, I think, can maybe devalue the blockchain within like a supply chain. So, we haven't really seen too much of that in our work, but I could definitely see that happening where everyone has been really asking, How do we know this is what it says it is? Is it tra- tracked in a blockchain? Like, customers have been asking those questions. They could become less concerned about it, which would probably decrease investment from all kinds of companies in building blockchain for supply chain tools. Mm So I think there is a risk. I haven't really seen it trickle through yet, but it really comes down to how much users trust the system. And so that, I think, is what needs to be reinforced going forward.
0: But bottom line, it sounds like you're bullish on the future of blockchain in the supply chain. Would that be fair to say?
1: Yeah, I think it, it does continue to add value within that ecosystem. Traceability is critical. Everyone's asking questions about where things come from and being able to independently verify those adds a lot of value and that you can have an increased level of confidence when you make claims about the materials and, and your products.
0: Vanessa Coleman of OceanWorks, I want to thank you so much for spending time with me to explain how blockchain is playing a valuable role in supply chain today and what are some of the nuances that go along with that. Thanks very much for being with me today.
1: Thank you for having me, Bob. It was great to be on the show. I appreciate the conversation.
0: That was my conversation with Vanessa Coleman of OceanWorks, talking about blockchain's value for supply chains. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read our Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain, and also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.